first and foremost, welcome to the Playroom, Jared. How are you doing today? Great, thank you. It's a beautiful day in San Diego. Right? San Diego is an amazing place. My grandma is there. My uncle's there. I got family out there. And I'm so glad that you're able to be here with us today, too. Yes. Yeah, paradise. So. Exactly. You call it paradise? <laughs> yeah, it is paradise. And I've lived in California pretty much my entire adult life. And so I various states of paradise. And this is pretty much as close as you can get to it. So, yeah. Okay. Would you Would you move? Like move out? Oh Lord, uh, California. Uh-huh. Man, that's such a hard. That's such a hard choice because I'm such. I'm married to the ocean, man, and I'm a surfer, <clears throat> and so getting being away from the ocean and just being near water, it, it just isn't. It doesn't fill my cup. So that ocean absolutely fills my cup, and so I, I will pay a premium to go and play in my favorite thing. So yeah. Okay. I would take that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I feel like over here in Georgia, we're pretty much landlocked. So the closest we can get to the water is in Savannah. So that's about an hour away or so, if I'm not mistaken. But it's so great to have you here. I, I want people Thank to know you. more about you. We have met on Clubhouse in a couple of rooms, including yesterday, yeah. I believe. So uh-huh. I want people to know more about you, who you are, and what you do. Cool. Um I'm Jared. I run a, a, a solopreneur agency out of, of San Diego, um, and I run Facebook and Instagram ads, basically specifically. Um, and um, I guess I'll give you a little background on that. I went to college in LA for graphic design, and I was always kind of an artist. And um, then moving into the art space, you're always taken over by the marketing team. So. Um, Going through my career, I ended up always having to work with marketers and understand where they were coming from and be able to position myself as a graphic designer that knew marketing a little bit and understood where they're going, gave me less friction with the marketing team, and they always gave me a little more leeway, right? So that came up to me moving to San Diego because it's gorgeous, and then I started working for a surf and paddleboard company, and they hired me as a graphic designer to be their social media person because I was pretty hip deep into managing social media and not the marketing and advertising side yet. This was like 2015. And so Facebook advertising still really down low and it was called dark posts. And it was Gary V was just the only one really talking about it. Right. And, And I was a very huge follower of his. And so that's what got me that job of graphic designer and then they gave me the entire social media thing to run off of my presentation of here here's the person i would be following the the path of and it was gary v showed all of them 30 minute video and they're like we're in and i'm like of course you're in so um and, and so but then that led me down the path of them them they they asked what's this dark post thing and then we got acquired by a large company that said, hey, we won't, we were going to give you some more marketing dollars. You guys hear some ad spend to go play with Facebook and Instagram. And they're like, Jared, here you go. Go learn. And that's where my self-learning turned to, you know, they're basically paying me to learn Facebook and Instagram ads. And so I just delved in heavy, right? And so I left there. Um, and then I started positioning myself with um, a friend lawyer who I was doing all of his design and, and kind of marketing before. And then I was like, hey, I, I have a new skill and I'd like to add it to our repertoire of what we're doing. Long story short, on that note, it was so successful. He had to hire a girl to answer the phones. Wow. So I and he who was one of my best friends said, you're on to something. You're going to make more money in what you're doing here than I'm what I'm doing. And he goes, even if you just do this for lawyers. Right. And so, and so that, that kind of got that whole springboard. Now, was it that easy? No, it's entrepreneur life is, you know, yeah, I'm on top of the world and oh my God, I'm a dirt bag. Right. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> but, but that's, that's the life we chose. And I know that if I, I knew if I put in, you know, two to three years of just grinding it out and just putting myself out there with the knowledge that I have that I was going to be able to garner enough clients and be able to stay afloat to um, to do what I wanted to do and have that independent freedom to 
dive down to Mexico when the surf is good because mm. I'm only an hour away. Right. So, and so I figured, you know, it, instead of sitting behind a desk my entire life for 40 years and trying to earn a 401k, which is impossible nowadays, I invest three to four years in my side myself that I know is going to be successful. And then that was it. And then um, clients kind of came from there. And then I started working with a rival paddleboard and surfboarding company, um, getting, garnering more clients in the law space. Um, and so then that's kind of how it all, all really, really ac- uh, accumulated up to where I'm at now. That's amazing. Yeah. That, that would make me ask this question. Sure. Tell me about your first client experience and then kind of like give me a map journey all the way to your last client as an overview based on how you conducted the campaign. So from from beginning learning, starting to what I know now, yeah. how I would do things different. The, uh-huh. Is that your question? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So I started with the, um, with the paddleboard company, right? And then they gave us money and, and then we had a gentleman come in from Vans who was doing this, not at any larger level than I was at that point in time, but he just was from Vans. And so, you know, they hired him to do consulting. And, and then he said some stuff about retargeting. And I was just like, what? What do you mean? What do you mean retargeting? And then he, and that was it. That was the spark of the level of, of understanding, right? And so that was what the spark was. And then, and so from, from there, what we were doing is we weren't really even doing retargeting so much as we were just doing, which I didn't know at the time was best practices, but because I was a graphic designer, I only know one way to do strategic things, and that's through visualization, right? And luckily, Facebook and Instagram is a visual platform, and so um, I didn't have the concept of the scientific method down yet, but I was playing with different visuals. I just didn't have them in campaigns grouped properly um, in order to be successful. Um, we were successful only because we were um, all, um, a medium fish or a large fish in a very small marketing space. And so nobody was really marketing on Facebook and Instagram for paddleboard surfing. It was kind of a unheard of thing. It was like organic. It was all like grow your posts and hashtag. And so, so this really kind of broke up uh, marketing and we were seeing sales through that that they hadn't seen on the website um, before. And and so then that was that. And then I moved on to now. I just did a campaign for – I'm still kind of in the surf industry because that's where I started and that people know me from. And so we just did a campaign that finished for um, this company called Arc Method. And it's um, a professional surfer, his lifelong trainer, and the journey that they've come to making training courses for not just surfers but just in general – Surfing and physicality has a mind-body connection that most sports don't have because you're doing something that minuscule reactionary things to a thing that's trying to eat you, right? It's like right. You're trying to – it's not snowboarding because it's snowboarding on avalanche. So, so in other words, they, they're teaching all these practices. So I took that course and I said, hey, how can I position it and – know what they've done and um, bring them customers, more customers, right? And so so what he did now is we did split testing off of creative inside of, of dynamic ads. And so it was just like, hey, let's take your content, see what we have, take one major content pillar, and then I made some suggestions and it was like um, creative by concept suggestions. And that's how Facebook works, okay? It's not Google. And that's the, the thing I learned from there's the change and shift of learning, okay? And, and this shift has been something that has been coming and is really coming to a head now that people were really pushing back against. So retargeting, sending people through different phases of the funnel, all are unnecessary in Facebook. And so doing those in the very first practices, I was doing Google practices on Facebook, right? And Google is very different from Facebook because it has a very different business model. And if you understand the two, then you can understand Facebook better because the best practices from Google were brought to Facebook, 
because that's who started and helped Facebook start their platform. Right. But then in around 2015, 16, their model completely shifted away from what Google's platform and concept was, which, and here's the theory. Google's theory is search gets you off as fast as possible to your content, right? Facebook's a very, very different platform. Facebook wants you to stay. They charge you a premium if you make your customers leave. Mm. That, that is it. I'm going to let that sit for a second. Very dynamically different concepts of how to market. You want your customers to stay. And if you are doing something that tells Facebook or advertising or giving out information or value that is deemed hazardous to their platform, meaning people are leaving because of you and they see your ad, they're leaving, you're going to pay a premium on your advertising costs. If you are entertaining and informing and you want to pay for it and you're going to have great algorithm inside of that Facebook platform, they're going to give you very cheap advertising costs, which why creative by concept is something that has to be driven on Facebook. What you just said right now completely changes everything because <laughs> I was literally thinking, okay, so if I want to run an ad on Instagram and then the link of that Instagram ad sends you to a, an IGTV, for example, Compare that to someone doing the same thing and sending them to a YouTube video from Instagram. Out of those two ads with the same content, same timestamps, same everything, which ad is going to perform better and why? Oh, no. That's, see, now you're, you're giving me a hit there. That's a great <laughs> question. That's an amazing question. But you're taking it kind of a little bit out of context. Okay. Meaning, meaning keeping them on the platform entertaining me, meaning you don't have to send them to the platform or away from the platform. Even if you're sending them away from the platform through an ad, they understand that, right? Um, it, 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 but if your ad isn't entertaining, interf- informing, or giving value to their customer, yeah. then you're going to pay a premium to play. Right. So if my ad says, let's use lawyers, for example. Okay. So my, if my ad has a bunch of visuals with lawyers and copy has lawyers, right? I don't necessarily have to use Google practices of audience targeting to find my audience. Facebook will find my audience. Guess what? They will scan the visuals, they'll scan the copy, and the AI will do all the heavy lifting for you. Adding audiences, specific audiences say, hey, they like lawyers, this is the most famous lawyer in my area. These are, these are add-ons to your website. What happens when you put add-ons into your website or onto your car? They cost money, extra money to plug those things in. in and usually they don't make your car faster or do anything better. Right. You, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're paying a premium to add on things that say you're smarter than Facebook is. And Facebook goes, or you could leave it broad, 18 to 65, no placements, and let your visual and creative do the speaking and, and, and all the targeting for you through the entire funnel. Okay. So does that make sense? It de- yeah, it does. Uh-huh. Did, did, I, did I bring that in or did I go on? The no, topic? it makes sense because when people are running ads, they think about, oh, my, I'm targeting 18 to 30-year-olds, so I got to leave the 31-year-olds out. And you're like, no. That 31-year-old could be your, your prime target, but you because you thought that it's 30, you know, you probably just played yourself at that point. You're telling Facebook you're smarter than it. And not only that, but then you're also saying, hey, I want to pay more to tell you that I'm smarter than you are. We don't get 30-year-olds. No, there are caveats to that. You have a swimsuit brand. Are you going to do males? No, 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 no. Of course not. Right. right? Unless it's like Valentine's Day and you know that you can position yourself to to be – 
you know, visuals to males to give to their girlfriend, right? Right. If it's on her Pinterest list, then well, shit, then go. Exactly. Right? So, but that's a really that's that's a very niche market, and so those are yeah. there are caveats to that. So, so know that. So the way to target by creative is to create creatives and visuals that appeal to your target. That's it. And you leave it broad and you let Facebook do the work and you let Facebook do the heavy listing of the AI and you, you, you're not smarter than it and you let it find yourself. And if you do it properly, you position yourself properly, you don't need, like Google, a top of the funnel awareness ad, a middle of the funnel, hey, you know, we saw that you, you know, came and then a retargeting ad that says, oh, you dropped out of your cart. If you position yourself properly with a good visual and a good proposition and offer, all you need is one visual, broad targeting through Facebook, 18 to 25, open placements, let Facebook's AI do the heavy lifting and let your visual concept push your idea. And that's it. And then you let it go. Okay. Because if someone has a cat and they're, they're advertising cats, right? You're going to advertise to people that aren't talking about, or that you're not advertising to people who aren't talking about cats that own a cat, but you are advertising to somebody that hates cats and talks about hating cats all the time. <laughs> right. But at the same point in time, that's all the funnel. You, you have an open funnel to people. Now you're aware of those people that hate cats and there's like, ah, you know, but, but now you've opened it up to where now you're telling and that same ad will go through awareness of your funnel because it's topically and visually appealing and topically um, to their target, it will go through the top of their funnel. Facebook will say, hey, you bailed out of their cart. They have all their events set up and this is the ad that's running to them. Give it to them again. That's called frequency. So at the frequency will go up too if your targeting messaging is proper. Okay. Now you mentioned about opening them up to have an open-ended kind of field. So broad. A broad field, right. So this is a two-part question. The, sure. the first part is, do I need to add any interest? And if I do, how many? And the second one is, if you're supposed to leave it broad, why does Facebook give you those options? Why does Lexus give you the upgrade option? <laughs> it's an upsell. <laughs> Exactly. That's all the target audience is, man, is an upsell. Literally. So there's there's your answer in two parts right there. Like, oh no, your first an- your first question was what audiences do I pick? You don't. You like we just came back to it just full circle back again. You pick a target creative that talks to that audience, Facebook will find your audience. Open uh... targeting. Open. You don't say, Hey, I have a surfer. And he wants to watch Billabong and he loves um, this and loves this. Guess what? This costs 10 extra bucks. That costs five extra dollars, seven extra dollars, 10 extra dollars. Right? Right. And it's talking to maybe those kids that love the surfing, but not their parents who's buying the surfing equipment for them. Exactly. I see. So by targeting, you're limiting your audience to what you think it is telling yet again, you're, face, you're smarter than Facebook, you're not. By letting your, your visuals target your audience, now you're talking to the kids and then their parents and then the kids see it just like TV. The kids see it, they go tell their parents and then the parents, because of the inherent conversation, are aware of it, now they will see your ad too. There's your retargeting funnel ad right there, all in one single ad with one single visual that has your message properly positioned to your customer. So when you That's do, it. so when you do that, does that reduce your cost per click over time? Over time, oh, it, completely. It, it <clears throat> your cost per click or your bid is this. I posted this a little while ago. Okay. Facebook auction, which is your bid. Your bid equals your budget times your estimated action rate. Okay, and I have this to remind myself and every single person. This is how you pay for Facebook ads. Okay, and so what that means is that you you, you know you have a hundred bucks, right? That's your budget. So there's your budget. Estimated action rate is 
is Facebook saying basically, hey, your visual's awesome. Here's your estimated action rate is going to be good. Oh, your visual is poor. Your estimated action rate is going to be bad. Good, you get a, a low cost of ad, cost per click, because your visual's on message, and you don't have to have all these plugins to say that what your message is, to dial it in, and you let Facebook go do it broad, and so then that will now bring your cost in, versus choking your audience down with your messaging, and then targeting them with with um, your audience, saying, hey, I it has to be a, a liker of Kelly Slater. Well, what if you don't like Kelly Slater, you like somebody else? Right then you're not you might not get that app right so i've just choked facebook ai saying i'm smarter than you even if this kid over here from georgia wants to buy a jersey from the wsl who i worked with for a while that's what i did i helped the world surf league that was one of my jobs to get them to sell jerseys and, and and to get them to you know promote those jerseys and so and so, you know, you never know. They're like, oh, I wanted to do just all the coasts. There's kids in Canada, in, in Midland, Florida, Georgia, who love surfing and they just want to watch it. And there's there's event availability for him to get his favorite jersey. So there you go. Why am I chokeholding that? Right? Right. Now, it's really made me think about how I've been running ads in the past. And how I'm running ads now and what I'm going to be doing next. Because I used to think, oh, have two or three interests, you know, put it on the side. And you're pretty much truncating your potential because you're focusing on the smartness that you think you have against your AI. You got it. You are saying I'm smarter than you are. Guess what? I know my audience better than you do. You don't. Mm. You don't. And not only that, but but then you're you're cutting out that that full funnel. Sure, you want to retarget those people, but but why? They didn't buy the first place. Your messaging was poor. Your offer value was poor. So position yourself to where you. And then okay, so then you have a retargeting ad, right? You're doing a Facebook retargeting ad, and you're giving an offer. Retargeting is is a premium because you're yet again doing plugins to say. To Facebook, use a heavy lifting AI to say, hey, sift through all this information. We want just this line of code right here. Facebook has to do extra work for that. So they have to allocate more time in their AI for them to do what you want them to do, costing you more money. Right? Right. That retargeting ad is now a liability to your spend because it's a higher cost and it's driving diminishing returns versus speaking the truth and giving the value to those people and then sending them to the place to where they want it. And if you're going to do retargeting, I will say there is a smart way to do retargeting. Uh, It is a luxury because it's an ad spend luxury. Do you see what I'm saying? Like you're going to pay the premium and you're going to try to say that, you know, Hey, we want to capture them again. Well, you've already spent that money down the line. Now what happens if your offer changes? Now you have to go back and change your landing page, you have to go change your ads, now you have to go back to the learning phase, now you have to go change these. So that one offer change for that retargeting ads sends you through so many more different changes, sending, spending so much more time doing that change versus getting it all right and all the messaging right in the first place train um, and then um, and then letting the ads do the work for the, for you because they're going to say, hey, you've already went to their site, you hit that pixel, that pixel will now show you that ad again, you're going to be on top of mind, and then maybe, you know, you have a dynamic, creative ad that has your top five products inside of it, and if they're inside of that top five products, then they get a dynamic product ad targeted to them. That's worth your ad spend. If you have that ad spend. Speaking of ad spend, it is a luxury for sure. Now, somebody's probably going to be thinking, what is the best optimal average spend per day? And should I use a lifetime budget? Because these options are too many. Now, when you get too many options, you kind of get confused. So what is the best practice for someone that really just wants to set off? 
Look, you know, I was prepared for this question, and I have, like, little notes here ready for you, okay? So I'm going to go with kind of the best kind of thing I hear. I don't know if you've heard of Ben Heath before. He he, he does a lot of stuff with social media examiner. He's really good. Um, you, you calculate your average customer value, right? So a lawyer's average customer value is going to be, if they, if they have a bankruptcy or something like that, it's going to be, like, is like maybe two grand, right? So that's great. So that means that your ad spend and your um, is going to be different, and in, in your your propositions are going to be different from somebody who has a customer that is buying an iPhone case. These are two things I've worked with: an iPhone case for twelve ninety nine, right? So the ad spends are different because the customer value is different. And if you don't respect that understanding, then you're going to lose. Does that that make sense? That makes sense. Number two part of that is determine how much competition you're facing with these Facebook ads. The lawyer in Georgia, in a rural town, or let's just say even Georgia, let's say downtown Georgia, okay? That's going to be a high competition area for lawyers in Facebook ads, right? Or... I'm, I'm just going by L.A., what I do with LA, in L.A. Yeah. So let's go by L.A. L.A., it's a high competition for lawyers. There's five bankruptcy lawyers in – there's 15 bankruptcy lawyers in Pasadena alone, okay? Five of them are advertising on Facebook. Mm. I know that because I just did the ad research. So so that's a high, high competition. So now you have a high cost of average value for the lawyer, right? So his $1,000 to $2,000 for his customer – and his competition is hot. His ad spend is going to have to be different from that iPhone seller who's who's fifteen dollar proposition and now needs to sh- needs more volume of ads. Right. Right. This person needs more quality of ads, and this person needs more volume of ads. And so those ad spends are different because they have different determinations of their their customer value and their competition. Does, does that answer that kind it, of? It makes sense. So there's really no set budget. It's highly based on your messaging. Absolutely, and, and your customer value base. So what's your customer average? Your, your customer acquisition value. That is what you go off of. So now that I go off my customer acquisition value, and then so my pricing. When I go off of pricing, it, it goes off of your customer acquisition acquisition value and. And, and how much work I'm going to have to do to acquire that for you, right? That average lead or customer for you. And so, and then that, and that determines a lot of, of, of spend. And so you can't spend a minimum, it's about a minimum of five bucks a day to run one single app, just one single app. And that's a low and you're going to have a hard time getting out of learning phase. And that's a huge deal. And that Facebook bid versus budget and estimated action rate all equals out to the learning phase. How many actions can you get someone to take with this amount of money before Facebook's AI can take over and say, hey, I have a very good high thought process on what your customer is based on the 15 things that they touched in, in the 15 value points that were entered in before. So if someone bought 15 purchases, then Facebook can say, hey, now I have your customer. Now I can find them off of your all of these factors that are going on. And then that, that bid goes off of that. And then how much money you're feeding it and then how well your, you know, your creative is targeting and not having people bounce off of their platform. People scroll the entire amount of the enti- the Eiffel Tower in a day. So in order to be a disruptor inside of that Eiffel Tower of scrolling, you have to be eye-catching and you have to be entertaining. And if you're not, they're going to charge you a premium for it. And in order to be able to not charge that premium, you need to basically target by your creative. That's that's the Facebook platform. This- get back to it every time. Yeah, this is definitely changing the game completely because now it means if I have a killer ad that has a strong message with a strong call to action and somebody else is my competitor and they're just pretty much 
cruising through the internet. They're just surfing through. Now, because I have a 30-second message with a clip that's emotional, that's making someone stay or have a bigger watch time, that's going to increase the number of clicks and reduce the number of clicks per clicks per cost cost per click cpc yeah cost per click so exactly if it's your cost per acquisition now how does those play in when you have 20 percent of text in your image that's all gone now okay now it makes sense that's gone yeah so they don't they don't even care about that anymore i mean it was better messaging and they have over time kind of taken that away but you will find that if you have over 20 percent messaging and you're, you're going to find getting out of learning phase a little more difficult okay so so you do have to be kind of aware of you know even if you let's give an analogy if you played football and they changed the what they considered a catch you have to play by what they consider a catch now but you know what they have to kind of have an idea of what the history of where the idea of where a catch came from before right Right. so in order to be able to know your history you know what the future could help you with and so that's kind of where i'm going with that that makes sense because even in one of the rooms on clubhouse you mentioned and this is about the learning phase i think somebody asked a question and you were saying sure the more you feed the algorithm with money the faster it learns and gets out of the learning phase the less you give it the less, it, the more time, pretty much, it stays yeah, within the. F- it's a slow learning dog. Right. The more food and treats you give it, the faster it's going to learn. Right. And then also the same thing. Those those audiences you're saying are inhibiting that dog from using all of its intelligence to learn. You're putting blinders on it, and you're just making it do what it has to do. And then by blinders, now you're costing yourself a premium because maybe it can't see the rest of these things that you can't see. Right. Okay. So it's the slow moving, it's the slow learning dog thing. And then you've got to give it the time and the, in, in the information that you want. And the information is by creative. And that's it. Okay. That makes sense. I... So I want to go through a couple of things real quick with you that are best practices that I use that are becoming the gold standard, but slowly. And they have been practices that have been shunned for a while now and that are really coming to light and it's called the power five okay okay now all your listeners can go on to facebook and just go look up power five facebook group now what this is is they basically took all the they took the point zero one percent of ad spenders on facebook people who spend over a million dollars a day learning on facebook They've turned these into case studies, and these case studies they turned into what these five basically five basic practices that you need to follow in order to be successful with Facebook and Instagram ads. Okay, so I'm going to give those to you right now, and and your listeners can look those up. Power five Facebook. Okay, so the first thing is auto advanced matching. Okay, so that means when you go in and you turn on your pixel, there's this little button and switch underneath your pixel information that says auto advanced matching. Now what that does is it automatically reads email, any information is given to that you've given to Facebook and automatically plugs that into Facebook so that they know you have been seen and then they can widen that that view for you. Basically using the AI to your advantage. Right. So let's just use it, right? Okay. Number 2, account simplification. Now, what I mean by account simplification, and I'll go into Billabong because I'm in the surf industry. They have 106 ads running. That's a lot of money. That's too many ads. It means their message is diversified all over the place. They're doing old practices of Facebook or of Google and, and using using audiences to test that's what they're doing. I'm telling you, these are million-dollar ad spends that are doing it wrong. See, but that's what I'm saying. It's slow adaption. Okay? Yeah. This is the power five. Okay, so so what I would do in there in the simplification is you get your five creative thoughts, you know, and those will be creative by concept to be customer reviews, informing them about why their product is better than the next. 
user-generated content, right? And that's not the same as customer reviews. It's, it's like lifestyle and people using it and enjoying themselves, okay? And then product shots, just straight Amazon product shots. Those are all things you can test five. I would do five dynamic creatives testing those five things inside. That's just five, taking those hundred, the five ad campaigns to a, from 106 to five. Now you plug 10 of those creatives with 10 headlines in and you are testing 10 times 10. That's 100. So now how many? Wow. That's account simplification, my friend. And now you're letting Facebook, instead of telling Facebook, here's 106 ads, 106 or 70 audiences. Tell me which audience is going to do the best. You give them a broad audience. You give them all your creatives. You put it in one campaign and you send it out there into the world and you say, Facebook, find me my friends. I like that. I really like that. There's the basic theory of account simplification and people are just doing it wrong. Okay. Now, if I can get a hold of Bill Vong, I would take that over. Okay. Now, budget optimization is the next one. Campaign budget optimization. Now, so, so now you're, let's imagine we have these two creative tests and we're using our account simplification, which is dynamic creatives, right? We're using two ad campaigns of dynamic creatives. One's a customer review and one's a product shots. Okay. So and we have like five customer reviews and five product shots, all different. And then when I'm talking about different, we're talking about not a 1% different. We're talking 20% different changes in visuals and concepts. You can't make any movement with 1%. You're not getting any traction or seeing where anybody's going with 1%. 20% creative idea changes. Okay, and those were the, that's your concept shit. Now you take those, you optimize, you put CBO in there, campaign budget optimization, and, you, and that basically does me going in there toggling on and off and saying, oh, well, this dynamic creative's working and this dynamic creative's working. No, Facebook goes there and says, this visual inside of this headline talks to this customer the best. I'm going to give out of the hundred ads that we just created at the 10 times 10, this one combination is winning. I'm going to feed it the most money and I'm taking away the rest of the $10 budget from the rest of it. I'm giving this one a dollar, I'm giving this for two dollars. This one gets seven now because it's winning. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to go in and switch it on and off. Automatic placement, optimization. Let AI do the lifting for you, right? And then the the last one I kind of slipped into is automatic placements. If you're, yet again, telling the AI, no, I don't want to pay for the Instagram ad because it's too expensive and audience placements and and doesn't do what I want to do. No, you don't know where your customer is. You don't know your customer is driving down the freeway and seeing a billboard or listening to you on the radio or let it do its job. Let it do its heavy lifting. Yet again, let the AI find your customer for you. And then all, and then the last one is all inside dynamic ads. And so that's dynamic ads. So it's auto advanced matching, account simplification, budget op- optimization, automatic placements, and dynamic ads. That's your power five concepts. And if you use these concepts, you will win inside of Facebook. I think so. Now, when someone thinks about winning, they think about, oh, I got an email, oh, I got a sale, oh, I got a DM, or something of that form. Now, when you think about ad creatives, just like you put about um, reviews, customer reviews, and also product shots. Now, what would be the best ad type creative? Would it be a static image? Would it be a video through play? Would it be a lead generation campaign? I mean, it could depend, but as far as frequency and staying consistent, which one does better, if there's any? There's context. Yet again, the lawyer versus the surfer. Right. right? The lawyer's going to need more reviews. The surfer's going to need more lifestyles. But you don't know that. You don't know that until you test. And that's what all the creative testing is about. You can test exactly what you just said inside of that. And let Facebook find the wins for you inside of your messaging. You know, you don't have to now, as I was a graphic designer and would pr- give my, my, you know, my team five different options. I don't, we don't have to sit there and be like analyzed for four hours in a meeting saying, no, 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 this is our best option. No, look at the two behind me, two different, completely different arts. 
One might appeal to somebody, one might appeal to somebody else. Who knows what that is? Art is completely arbitrary, but you can start to find numbers on it, okay? And so there is where, I, I think I answered your question. Did I, did I deviate off Yeah, you did. Much? Yeah, you got it. Okay, mm-hmm. so you can, you can test that, and there, there is no right messaging. The best, the best thing is to do is use dynamic ads and put your single message with your, your, your different creatives creating that different messaging, let it, let that do its job. So if you're making your creatives with different messaging and then putting them in and just letting Facebook find your best, I mean, seriously, that's it. And as a graphic designer back in the day, I would have loved to have that. You know, everyone being subjective and then it being like, oh, that didn't work. Oh, no. What do you guys, you know, we were able to test. There was no test. Now you can literally be like, that visual with that headline marries to this audience. And I don't have to do that toggling switches on and off. Facebook will find that for me. That's the whole thing about using its AI learning to your advantage. You can always be the best Kenyan runner. But some idiot (laughs) is going to come along with you and he's going to beat you there because he's using a machine to get there better than you are. Exactly. (laughs) You're right. I think it's all about smart work now and no longer hard work. It is. Wow. That's it. I like that. Now, just to break it down a little bit for someone who does not know what a creative is, could you break it down to them and just give them a simple format? The simplest way to test in dynamic creatives and test period, basic, easy. A visual, graphic saying one thing, an imagery, and a video. Test that. There's your test right there. And you can do that in dynamic ads. You can throw a, 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 a one single static visual inside of that and then a video at 15 seconds. And, and you just never know. You just, you're not going to know until you test it. And so, and so why spend the money on doing individual tests than when Facebook's going to do all that testing for you and then say, here's your winner and give it the budget that, that is that the winner deserves all with you not having to do anything but set it up properly. So does this and mean think strategically before you start? That's the biggest deal. OK, so does this mean that you don't need a B testing? No. It's doing the A-B testing for you. So that strategically thinking that we're talking about, if you're strategically saying, hey, I'm going to do an entire seven to 10 visuals, whether they be video, um, imagery, static, um, a little GIF, um, a user-generated content, there's five right there, right? I just gave you five. You throw all of that same content of a customer review inside a dynamic ad, and Facebook's going to scan it and be like, oh, I know what they're talking about. Cool, here's your customer. And then you do the second one where it's just product shots, right? Your second time. And then you can, there, you, you, then, you, then you find out your winner right there. That's it. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Now, now it makes me want to think about custom audiences and lookalike audiences. I know a lot of people don't even think about that. They don't even know it exists because they don't have a pixel. So if people go through those guidelines and figure out what their custom audiences are with their lookalike audiences, what should they be doing so that they don't get confused? Well, my entire messaging is don't use audiences. Go broad and just find your messaging inside of your creative, right? Because that's the platform. Right. But if you do, if you do want to use lookalike audiences... It can be powerful inside of retargeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means that you can kind of stack things, but yet again, you're adding cost to it by adding adding the extra bacon to your burger. It's going to cost 50 extra cents, right? So, the, so those audiences, each time you add an audience and choke the Facebook algorithm, you're, co- you're adding your cost to that. So, But when you do pick audience, it is... you. you you want to kind of go with maybe one or two major broad picked audiences. Okay. So, you know, whatever that would be. So you just kind of go broad and maybe go broad in a different direction if you're going to pick an audience. But um, a, a great way 
to, to find out audiences, which is a, a, a hack that I have um, that most people don't know about, is that if you go into um, Instagram, this doesn't happen very often. It's a low percentage of this happening, 10% that this is going to, this is available. But go to Instagram and let's say, I, I know one that, that will work. Go to Billabong or WSL, which are both surf companies, right? If you go in and touch the top three little buttons and then it, it has the information, right? You know, da, 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 and it says about this account. You press about this account. The next visual that comes up is, you know, the username, the account, and then the bottom little thing that says accounts with similar audiences. Mm. That is the biggest hack I can give you, bro, because that literally, and then you can press on that and it will show you WSL's audience is very similar. 52% to Kelly Slater, 42% to Surfline. 30% to another surfer. And you're like, well, there's a fucking audience. Exactly. I think from there, you definitely use those audiences to your advantage. Because now you can also think about creating those Instagram audiences within your custom audience. And people don't think about it because people say, oh, the algorithm is, is literally bunking my... <laughs> it's taking my things down. It's debunking everything. So if people don't need to spend money to create organic feeds... Do they still have to focus on those similar audiences and interact with them, or do they just have to go on the fly? Well, you got to repeat that one for me again. You might might need to rephrase it. Okay, so like these people who still want to run ads, they still have organic mm -hmm. content, right? And that's why they're matching yep. up with these other similar accounts. Okay. So how do those people reach out to those guys without being too spam um, salesy? Without spammy. yeah, spammy. So. In terms of those audiences, how can they still reach those audiences organically, still maintaining the best practice? Yeah, the organic thing is a whole different game than than the than the pay to play. Um, it's just a totally different space, completely different thought process, and that's more of of uh, the Gary V engagement, going and talking, you know, spending that hour twenty or whatever it, it, on the hashtags, and then. The, the influencers or the people in your area. Yeah. It, it, I think the best thing you could do, I think kind of what you're getting is like, how do you use your audience insights to use those to turn those into better strategic ads? Yeah, pretty much creating a community that actually speaks the same language, even though you're not part of that conversation. Yeah, that's going to be like Facebook groups and just getting right. people into a community. You know, you're not going to really find that. You're going to kind of find that more on like audience insights of where you're going to do it. But you're never going to know your real audience unless they're liking, commenting, or engaging inside of your in, inside of your post and, and, and information. And then, yeah, I mean, you don't have to be salesy to go into somebody else's account and just like we do in, on, on Clubhouse and be like. Hey, I was looking at your. I do this often. Hey, you know, I was looking at your um, your ads. I saw that you hit me up. Um, would you like to book a free consultation to, you know, have an, a live ad audit where I'm giving you these power five tips how to implement them, and um, and and hopefully this will provide you value and fill your cup, right? And then all while doing that, I will also preface of like. I, like you, like content and need this content in order to be able to answer these questions to not just this person because she or this person isn't the only one that's going to have this question. So I will repurpose that in inside of my content and you'll see that. And, and so when I do a consultation or offer that free help, I will automatically film and, and, and preface with the email like, hey, I'd like to use this. And if you don't want me to use it, I understand I won't. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I, I think that answered your question. Yes? Yeah, yeah. It definitely makes sense because organic and paid are two different places completely. Totally like different. it's a totally different ball game. Now, yeah. finally, I want to yeah. know about this. And this has been a topic of discussion across different clubhouse rooms and, of course, different articles and, and social media spaces. With sure. with the new update uh -huh. going on, 
what impact is it going to cause going forward for advertisers that are spending money daily on content for their business? Okay, so it's going to have a huge impact. But preface that with if you're not using the Power 5 practices. Okay. Okay. So if you're not using on any platform, if you're not using best practices on any platform, you're going to pay. And it's going to suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? It's like, so if you use your lawnmower wrong, you might lose a hand. You know? Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so it's just learning the space that you're in and, and, and giving up the knowledge that, you know, you, you need to run your business and you know your business, but you might not know Facebook and Instagram ads. And so that's just... You just have to give that that over to somebody, right? So I don't write very well. I can't I can't write. I can't write copy, but I can I'm sure one hell of a graphic designer. So I mean I can fill out all the boxes except for when it comes to the copy, I have to have help. So it's finding the areas and you need help, right? Right. That makes sense. And with the new update Oh sorry, I didn't catch that. I apologize. I need to do update with the new update yeah if you're if you're using the, the bad the, the bad practices you're going to have a hard hard time basically so if you're not using the the platform by visuals in using the creative to your advantage facebook is gonna say hey you're using them wrong but then also it's becoming more difficult to know when you're using them wrong and it's going to take you longer to know than when you're using them wrong because you're not getting the same amount of data that you were getting before. And so the data is where you're getting impacted. Okay. So you uh. just have to kind of wait a little bit longer. And the learning phase is something that's going to tell you whether you're doing it wrong or right. And that's like, that's like, you can't really change that learning phase data. It's going to be about the same. And so if you go off of, of using the learning phase as your litmus test, then you should be good. Okay, so if you can't get out of learning phase and you keep on just spending money in the learning phase, you're doing something wrong. And that's what Facebook's saying. It's like, I can't gather enough of what you want, link clicks to in order to be able to garner enough information to send you the best customer we can find for you automatically. So then you need to strategically position yourself differently by using creatives in the Facebook algorithm to get past that problem. Okay, so it's just best practices. So if you use best practices, you'll be fine with the iOS update. You're going to get less data. You're going to have to go off of here. Here's your main thing. You can't go off of month attribution clicks anymore. You're going to have to go off of day-to-day attribution clicks and learn how to read the, the numbers off of your day-to-day. Now, I will say you can get better day-to-day. You're going to get better month-to-month. If you're going to get month better month-to-month, you're going to get better over that year, okay? And, and inside of Facebook, if you think that you can turn on – this goes back to the AI. This, I'm staying on the same topic. If you – or in the iOS, if you think that you're go, you need more data, so basically you need to be able to do things – properly so it's restricting your data so if you're not doing things properly and you're not going to get the right amount of data then you're going to lose i think that's the best okay that makes sense now so it's pretty much based on preference and how you create your user experience for yourself and if you if you don't allow tracking to be part of the app then you don't really miss out but now you just become it just hits you if it does pretty much at this point yeah, you're just getting less and less information. Exactly. And you're trying to draw draw conclusions off of less information. And if you're if you're smart and using the best practices, you're use the the information should be there for you anyway. That's basically the the bottom line of what I'm saying. It's like if your information is impacted, then Facebook is basically saying you're doing something incorrect, and then you need to pivot and shift inside of the Power Five to figure out how you can align yourself with Facebook better and get better data and make better decisions off of that data. I like that. I think that was my best answer. Yeah, this is definitely something that someone has to listen, rewind, think about, plan your life. Don't spend any ads until you know what you're spending it for. 
That's right. And yeah. If you're going to plan your ads, plan by creative, and and then go off of that, and then and then plan down, and don't take your Google theories and thought processes and bring them over to Facebook because they're not going to work. Exactly. <laughs> this is a big lesson for sure. I, I know that people are going to take this in probably and realize, oh, I've been doing it wrong the whole time. It's <laughs> it's not late to change, but. I, I, it's not at all. So if there's anything that you want to let people know today, based on everything we've talked about, what's that one thing that should stick? Simplification, account simplification. And in general, simplifying your business. So, you know, if a watch runs off of three cogs, Mm -hmm. you can change one of those cogs and everything's going to be easy. If your watch runs off a hundred thousand cogs, then it's going to be very difficult to fix that watch when you need to go and change things. Right. That's it. And, and that and that that basically is what Facebook is saying too. Is like, you know you simplify things. You're getting more data. You're getting you're, you're having to test the the scientific method less, and, and and you you can rely on a hypothesis and a, a, a constant, and then a test, and then you can pivot from there. And that's all marketing is in general. Fifth grade science. I like that. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> wow, Jared, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for joining the Playroom today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. I am quite loquacious. Um, I hope you don't have to edit too much of this. Thank you so much. <laughs> I, I'm blessed to be here and I feel thoroughly privileged. And um, I hope I gave you and your listeners um, enough to fill their cup. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like people always say on Clubhouse, it's flowing over, it's overflowing, it's flowing through the walls, and everybody is happy. Is there any way people can reach out to you, any method or plan? What is your best practice for reaching out to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, I want to give your um, your listeners, um, uh, if they want to hit me up in my DMs, it's so digital, S-O-D-T, digital. Um, I will, if anybody says the name of your podcast or just Clubhouse, um, just because that's our connection, yeah. um, they're, they're welcome. I'll send them a PDF on best practices of, of split testing and a, a layout uh, that I give my cust- my customers when I hand them and say, hey, this this, these are the information I need in order to be able to dynamic, creative, and split test for you properly. Okay, so that, that can help people visualize and, and set their 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 intentions correct, right? And the second thing is um, how to set up your pixel, your CAPI, your uh, auto advanced matching, all those information that you need in order to be able to garner the information um, that you need because the information is king. Okay, so that's for your customers. And then and then they can get a hold of me up at so digital, yet again, sodtdigital.com. Um, and they can book a, a free consultation for 30 minutes and I'll walk through and give a free audit to anybody um, that, that wants um, an audit on their Instagram and I'll, I'll walk through um, they're, what they're doing, I'll look at their ads and give them an, a concept, an idea how to make them better. Awesome. Yeah, that's definitely a masterclass in a masterclass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lots of notes being taken. Exactly. Yes. You got to come prepared. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm actually going to, I think I'm going to start doing a clubhouse on that where I'm just going to invite people in with their, their full ad accounts and I'm just going to go in and just go and just give them full like audits on the oh spot. yeah and then, so. definitely and speaking of clubhouse mm-hmm. this is something i've been planning to do and i don't think a lot of people do it either because it's not really a sure. practice but i'm planning and this is because i'm putting this on the podcast too is because i want them to know and this is something that i've been thinking of i've tried it before with the workshop it worked out well but what i haven't done is go with moderators into a clubhouse room and have the moderators all on a zoom call while we're controlling the room and actually answering their questions based on our expertise that's something i want to do next i haven't done it yet as i said but that's a plan that i'm going to be actually executing very soon yeah i have a plan with charlie to basically do a um like remember i asked you how to split screen yeah the best and that's uh, I don't, you know, you know, Charlie, right? You uh-huh. know Charlie, uh, yeah. So I have a plan with Charlie to sit down and just do ad reviews and because he's never done one before. And I just want to sit down with him and do your role 
and listen to him go crazy on people's ad accounts, like Billabong running 106 accounts. I want to see his mind blow and then see what he's going to say. Um, and so I have a similar kind of thing coming up too. So yeah, we have to plan that out. But I, I would love to start like a, an annual room with you uh, weekly. That would be great. I think that you, your knowledge and, and your flow and our vibe is really amazing. So appreciate I love that. Your Death Leopard shirt, by the way. By the way. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate that, man. Anytime. And definitely we'll have you back here again in the playroom. But for now, thank you so much for your knowledge. And I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Flavor. You're the man. Everyone follow him. He's awesome. Hey, thank you, Jared. Appreciate it. I appreciate you. Awesome. Bye, Flavor. Bye.